Good morning, everyone. <laughs> so would you remain standing as we read God's word? My name's Rebecca, and I'm going to be reading Romans 12, 2, and Philippians 4, 6 through 8, which is today's sermon scripture reading. I'd encourage you to read along in your Bibles. If you're using the blue ESV Bibles on your pew, you can find the passage on pages 552 and 571. I'll give you a few minutes to find it. Okay. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Hi, everyone. Uh, Josh Obendorf. Um, excited to be here today. This is a really special day for me personally. Our, our preacher today uh, also happens to be a close friend and has been a mentor to me for, gosh, well over 15 years now. We connected at a conference that he was uh, speaking at and had the chance to connect afterwards and just hit it off and have now uh, been going on 15 years of friendship um, he also stood up uh, on a stage uh, August 6th of 2011 uh, with me and my bride and married us uh, and so was part of our biggest day uh, together and I just love him. I've loved the way um, I've watched him love his family, love his city, uh, and just further the kingdom. Um, also going to read a little bit of uh, his biography here. I had to really like make it smaller. It was a long, he's, he's an accomplished guy. Um, Eric is an author. He's got a, his book, Moving to Great, and he's also a highly acclaimed keynote speaker for some of the most recognized and respected organizations in the world. Eric presents his inspiring and challenging insights and strategies to thousands of leaders each year. His expertise on leadership, culture change, team dynamics, and peak performance has been shared with world-class companies. Eric speaks to a variety of education, government, healthcare, manufacturing, and financial service organizations and associations. Prior to becoming a high performance authority, Eric Bowles learned many uh, principles of team dynamics and leadership from his experience playing in the National Football League. He was coached and mentored by some of the finest coaches and players in the league. He's also a teaching pastor at Life Center Church in Tacoma. He is an avid sports fan, golfer, we do that often together, reader, you'll see that he also spends some time in the gym uh, taking care of his body. Uh, he uh, and his beautiful family are here today, his wife Cindy and his daughter Madison and Taylor is here as well, and then Sean, future family, and um, yeah, just so excited that he's come to be with uh, our church family. Let's bring up Eric. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you, my man. Um, first of all, let's just um, find out right from the beginning. How many Husky fans are in the room? Okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh, okay. 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 Um, I see. Look, even in the back. All right. I got you. Got some Husky fans in the room. Okay. Um, how many Cougar fans in the room? You got to be a little more courageous. Oh, don't do this. There has to be one. Like. <laughs> oh, got you. I got you. Okay. I like to ask those questions just because it has a huge influence on the mood of people. 
Uh, (laughs) So right now, if you're a Husky fan, you're feeling pretty good. If you're a Cougar fan, I need to encourage you. You So I need to encourage your soul a little bit. But anyhow, uh, no, I'm so grateful to be here. Obviously, Josh is, that's that's my guy. That's my brother, Uh, little brother, uh, Becca. I mean, golly, man, you know seeing them with their children, with their kids, and all the things that impact. Uh, so I'm very humbled and uh, honored to be with all of you uh, today. You may have heard that um, bio that Josh shared and uh, appreciate it. Uh, tell you it sounds good, but my wife would be more impressed if I just follow through on consistently taking the garbage out, like do little things, right? right? That's impressive. That other stuff, not so much. Uh, <laughs> but I'm so grateful for my wife, uh, Cindy, and my family to be here, Taylor Mass, and my future son-in-law, Sean, he's here, and grateful for that. Um, here's what I'm going to ask. Here's what I'm going to ask as we walk through the word today. Um, I am a big believer, not only a big believer, I believe I'm in a room full of believers, Uh, But I want you also to know that how belief works. You don't believe one time. Belief is something that you continuously keep growing. The Bible says all things are possible to them that believe. Um, But what we got to understand is as believers, that's the currency of the kingdom. Our faith is the currency of the kingdom. Our obedience is not the currency of the kingdom. But our obedience comes out of what we believe. So often we have behavioral problems and we work on trying to change the behavior through however behavioral modification works. But what we need to spend a little more time on is growing our actual belief. Now, I bring this up because if you know, heard a little bit of rag, but if you're a sports fan or even if you played, there's periods of every game where Sometimes the plays just aren't quite working. There's even periods during the game where it just seems like momentum is going the wrong side. A tough call by a referee that you have no control over. As soon as you get the ball, it starts raining real hard. Something happens where the ball hits the ground and just bounces a different way. These are all variables in a football game. I'm just, you know, just keep it light. In a football game that, you know, no matter how much the planning and all the different things you do, you think that would take care of it all. No, there's sometimes the very thing you only have to hold on to is your belief. I believe enough that I will make it to the next play. That uh, give us an opportunity to then make another play. Now, you hear coaches talk about it. Josh brought it up, but I get to travel all around speaking to organizations, companies, and far many different industries, and they're always talking about belief. We just got to believe. We just got to believe. And they're right. Belief is powerful. But it's also limited if what you're believing in isn't worth that, if that makes any sense. So it's not, like, it's not the same. So when I walk into organizations, work with companies, it's amazing running into people who don't claim to know Jesus at all. No connection to God at all. Yet in many cases, their belief, even in what they're doing, sometimes is greater. Let me hear, hear this now. Than those of us who actually have a relationship with Jesus, who literally know when we leave this place, we're going to heaven. I mean, we already know we win the game. I mean, you know how it is to play in a game that you already know you won? You walk a little different, right? Right? There's a confidence level that goes on. Like yesterday during the Husky game, like, was there really a point that, that anybody really, like, we might lose this game. No, because they kept, just in a regular situation, some people might have felt that way, but when you have a quarterback like that, and you know it can throw like that, your confidence is high. But we're still talking about a human being, a quarterback, and he's like 21, right? Okay, okay, be honest. Like, we don't, most of us men in here know, like, I don't know if we ever mature. So let alone putting that much confidence in a 21-year-old is kind of crazy, right? 
But the reality is we do that. So our confidence is higher. We walk differently. We talk differently. But how much more should we be walking differently and talking differently and living differently when who we're putting our faith and trust in is God Almighty. It's Jesus Christ himself. So before I go any further, what the scripture tells us to do, because I'm a big fan of this word. I'm going to use it a lot today, but just a couple scriptures. But I want you also to know, right before I get started, I believe with everything in me that the word works. The word works. The, Bible, the word is so powerful that God says he places his word above his own name. The Bible says that the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. That means it works. I love worship songs. But there is a time where I need the word of God to work. And it's hard for the word of God to work in me when I don't spend time making sure it's in me. Okay? And so we're going to do that today. We're going to use it that way. The other thing that I'm going to ask that you do as we walk through it, I want you to personalize this. It's my style. It's my nature. Yes, I preach. I'm teaching pastor. But really, you know, I've been through a lot of locker room speeches, y'all, like some incredible ones. Right? They are really awesome. And, you know, my, my daughter Taylor's here, Sean's here. They, you know, they've been doing a time with me. I've said it many times. Like, I left halftime fired up, but we just went in the second half and made the same mistakes with greater intensity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So just being motivated and inspired is nice, but it's sometimes it's reordering, seeing things a little differently is what we need. So that's what we're going to go in today. So with that being said, I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles if you have them with you. If you don't have your Bible with you, I don't care if it's on your phone, wherever it is, if you're a note taker, you can do that, but please have your word with me. Now, I'm going to read from both versions because I have the uh, uh, Christian Standard Bible, but you also have the um, English Standard Bible. I think that's the one you guys are uh, are, are going by, and they both work, so Becca was so wonderful to give me her notes um, right here, so we can do it. But I'm going to start with Romans 12, verse 2. Now, the title of this message is Be Transformed. Be Transformed. So I'm going to, let me walk through this scripture real quick. Be Transformed. So Romans chapter 2, verse number 2, it says, do not be conformed. Do not be conformed. I'm not going to go any further past that yet. Do not be conformed. And when the scripture says, do not be conformed, what does it mean? What's conforming, right? I never forget, I heard this quote one time, it was so good. It was by Earl Nightingale. And this was said, it got to be 60 years ago, 70 years ago. But he said, the opposite, the opposite of courage isn't fear. And I thought the opposite of courage was fear. Like, you know, either, you know, you, you, you're courageous or you're full of fear. He was like, no, the actual opposite, the enemy of courage is conformity. Because conformity is far more subtle. If you're afraid of something, you're afraid of something, but conformity, you're just being conditioned by what's around you. You're actually being conformed by what's influencing you, what's impacting you, what's happening around you. So right here, Paul, Coach Paul, Paul's a real one. So Paul says right here, he says, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed by this world. Now, the reason I always like this, he says, do not be conformed to this world. Now, why is that so significant? Because if I'm conformed by the world, how I look at the world was shaped by them. And we're not called to be conformed to this world. But the scripture says, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind or the renewal of your mind. The reason I like the word renewing is, I know it seems like I'm playing with words here, but just go with me. The renewing is not, it didn't say be transformed when you renew your mind. It says be transformed by the renewing, continuous. It never stops. You're constantly meditating on the word of God. You're constantly doing it. And the reason I love this scripture, but the reason I love talking to Christians so much is because our, our, our challenge is we have a discipline problem. We, we got a perspective problem. 
We don't realize that we get trained into greatness. We're not trying to be Christians. That part's already been taken care of. Jesus took care of that at the cross, but that was the singular event. But our transformation is a process. And if you don't value processes, I don't know what to tell you because the Bible don't give us a different route. So what happens sometimes as believers? We don't have enough believers sitting us down and telling us the truth. You know what's amazing? In any area of our lives, we expect that there's some kind of discipline or process to it. All right? Now, say it this way. Isn't it funny that some of the, whether it's social media or whether TV or it used to be infomercials back in the day, it's different now, not people watch TV the same way, right? But the infomercials and today's infomercials are on social media, like the ones who sell you on, I promise you, it, all you have to do is this, just for a few minutes a day and your whole body is transformed. That's all you got to do. And, you know, I used to always be amazed by that because the only people seeing that work or the other people making money from it is the ones selling it. Because <laughs> the rest of us, everything in you knows, that's not how change works. Okay? And so once we say yes to Jesus, you got to realize now the renewing process needs to happen. But the renewing process doesn't happen where we kind of think it's supposed to happen. I'm just going to change on the outside. No, I'm just going to change my behavior. No. Actually, the change happens with the being transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the way that you think. Literally, though, when the Lord saved us, he didn't just say, he saved our spirit, our soul, but he was like, hey, I want you to know I'm going to change you from the inside out. Now, for some of us, we've had this experience where we give our lives to the Lord, things happen, and we start seeing our circumstances change. And look at this change and this change and this change. And we're like, wow. What we don't always get is it's not necessarily that the circumstances changed. What changed was you. And if you're not careful, You'll even get confused by that. You won't even evaluate your results properly. You're not responding the same way. You're not reacting the same way. You're not moving the same Why? Because the renewal process is changing in your mind. It's a training process. Now, Father, this is so critical. When I used the word transformation, it was interesting. The word transform Transformation, transform. It comes from the word, uh, uh, the root or Latin meaning of it was metamorpho, where it's where we get the word metamorphosis from, okay? And that literally means changing from the inside out. It's not behavioral change. It's actual. You are, every one of us, are different than we were when we started. When we said yes to Jesus, we got we're different. So the transformation is transforming our minds to align with the change that happened in our spirit. Everybody with me? The process of that and why this is so critical is the process of that requires many times not a change of circumstance, but a change of how you flow in the middle of your circumstance. I'll give you an example. Since I said the word metamorphosis, usually our examples of something that has a metamorphosis type experience is like a, like a caterpillar turning into a, um, a butterfly. Thank you. Man, I'm getting old. <laughs> so kind of turning into a butterfly. And so what's amazing is when a, when a caterpillar changes into a butterfly, there's usually a pro there's always a process that has to take place. Like, so I never forget, I heard this story, but then I actually had the same experience as my mentor did uh, uh, when I was young, where if you've ever seen a cocoon, and you know, when a caliper is going through the process of a, of a cocoon, and, and I have, and, and while it's taking place, you're so excited to see this caterpillar go from a caterpillar to a Butterfly, that when it's opening or when it's breaking, if you're not careful, you sometimes, especially being young, you disrupt 
the process. And so what I did was I tried to help the caterpillar or help the butterfly fly sooner. (laughs) So what I did was I saw this butterfly who looked like it was struggling. And I realized that I can be of assistance. And so what I did was I helped open up, cut open the cocoon so the butterfly can fly sooner. When that happened, not only did the butterfly come out, but what I was confused by is that the butterfly didn't go anywhere. Like, it didn't take off and start flying. It had wings, but it wasn't going anywhere. It, had, it looked like it should fly. It was all covered in stuff, but, you know, I was like, why aren't you going? I just helped you. It wasn't until later that I realized that part of the transformation process that the butterfly had to go through also included it fighting its way out of the cocoon. See, because the reason the cocoon's a tough thing it has to come through is by squeezing out itself from the cocoon, its wings get stronger. It's part of the strengthening process. So I am thinking I'm helping the butterfly. I'm thinking the butterfly is complaining about the cocoon. No, the cocoon's necessary for the actual transformation to take place. In the absence of the cocoon, the butterfly will never fly. Now this is fascinating because I looked at this and I was like, oh, so transformation includes trials, difficulty, even includes pain. Why does that shock us when the Bible completely tells us, it's Jesus' words that says over and over, in this world, you are going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've already overcome the world. Before we go any further, I want you all to sit there and think right now, what are you praying for God to remove out of your life? What are you praying for him to fix right now? As a church, as you all are going through transition, as you're going through what you're going through right now, the very things like, oh, God, if you remove that, or that, there are some things that the reason God hasn't sped it up or hasn't quickly got through it, because he's not trying to bring you out just to have you still walking in the same place, still stuck to the ground. Man, he's bringing us up through what we're going through to fly at a different place than we were before. Now, I don't say this because it sounds good. I'm saying this because, man, I've been through a lot of these changes or a lot of these difficulties. And it is so important as a church and a church community that how you guys function together and support one another through difficulty is what ensures we keep flying in the future, if that makes some sense. Now, watch this right here. This is what's so beautiful. The scripture goes on to say, not this, sir. It says not only... Shall we be, be transformed by the ruin of mind? But the reason for it is so that we may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And it says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And the word discernment is another way for it. It allows us to see better. Now we will see from a better place. Now we can see what looks better, what is actually good. There's beauty in that. This is why some things right now, many of you will even know your own experience, which is what? You've grown. You've you've moved up. You've had greater and greater impact, right? But really, the only thing that really changed was the angle by which you were looking at the same circumstance. If you looked at the same problem 10 years ago, it might have overwhelmed you. You look at it today, and you're like, oh, no, we get through that. It's not that big a deal. What changed? You did. The circumstances didn't change. But you just grew from it. That's what happens to us when our minds get renewed. Instead of conforming and looking at stuff the way the world does, we look at it from a different angle. Is this making practical sense? Now, the reason I love getting at this spot, and it's just a little point I made from transformation, because here's your challenge, Icon. Here's your challenge. The transformation that's happening in here, the transformation that's happening with this church, The transformation that you guys, with what you've been through, are still here and healthy and growing. You do do realize how uncommon that is, right? 
I just want you to know that is not common. But it is special. Why? Because the same transformation that's happening on the inside is going to be the same transformation that happens around you on the outside. The very impact, our growth, is going to be a byproduct of the growth that's happening in this room. There are families, there are couples, there are uh, friends, there are people who've been through all things. They're going to be drawn magnetically to this place. Why? Because they're going to see and realize they're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses who've actually been transformed by this word. And they come in going, I want that. Be authentic that. Not because you got the greatest worship team, not because you got the greatest speakers, not because you got, no, it's because authentically. The Spirit of God lives in this place. And we're functioning at a time that the world is yearning for that. They're yearning for the most authentic, real. We want to see lives transformed. We want to see people who discern things in the Spirit, not just how the rest of the world does. We want to know that there's people who pray, who don't just spend all their time worrying. We want to know that there's people who, when they pray, they mean it. I was telling Josh earlier, I was looking at your values, and I was like, Oh, these are so good. These are so, this is what you guys are about. Now, am I challenging you on this? Yes. Because I believe the responsibility and accountability that comes to those who authentically live it is higher. So I will tell you, to much is given, much is required. And to this church, you've been given much you don't look at it the same way the rest of the world looks at it. We are not talking about just uh, the, the stuff that gets burned up. I'm talking about the real stuff, authentic relationships, families, connections. Like that it could, Why? Because we've endured. We've been through it. And after we've come through the fire, we're going to come through, as Job said, as pure gold. And when that happens, that comes with a level of responsibility because the spirit of God is free to, uh, free to move. The word of God says that God searches to and fro who will serve him and who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Sometimes the only way we can truly worship him in spirit is when we actually go through a cocoon experience that burns all the other stuff off or cuts it off or we have to strain to get to the other side. That's the beauty of this. What I've tried to do over time, and I'm still trying to get here. I've been saved 30-something years, and I will tell you, this, this is 30, I've been saved for 30 years. That don't mean that's 30 years of growth, okay? It just means the Lord has kept me that time. But here's what I do know, and I'm starting to learn it more and more. The number of times I've complained about the very pain that was actually blessing me, I've learned now that, man, I need to stop complaining about pain and start gaining from pain. Yeah, what am I to learn? I had a coach who said it best from football town. He says, look, look, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. <laughs> I was like, that is awesome. So, Lord, in every trial, sometimes we win, but every time we learn. And so how can we learn from, okay, now, I stayed there a little bit longer than I wanted to. <laughs> but let me move forward. So the Bible says it's only when we do that, only when we get our minds renewed, that we can discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Everybody with me? So the, the perfect will, discerning, seeing the perfect will of God, there's something that comes prior to that. And that is renewing my mind so I can properly see. What we don't realize is many times, especially as believers, we have a perception problem. We have a seeing problem. And again, I'm going to emphasize this. If I am being conditioned even, or conformed or influenced by the world, and the problem with being influenced by the world is subtle, y'all. It is really subtle. It's just whatever you're immersed in, whatever you hear the most, whatever you're around the most has a tendency to influence you. And unfortunately, we are influenced more by it than we are influencing it. The Bible says, I think, we got to be the salt of the earth, not the other way around. But in our churches and as believers, we're spending far more time being influenced than doing the influencing. This isn't about, you know, being a social media warrior and arguing about stuff. No, I'm talking about in the real life. I'm talking about how we're loving people who need to be loved. How we're engaging with people. How we mean what we say, we don't got to say it mean. 
Having, I mean, having a loving, do you know that, and everybody loved these scriptures in Romans chapter 12. I'm not going to have you go here, but there's one that I love. I talked, had this conversation once about Romans 12 in the church, and they're like, yes, man, we got to be renewing new our mind. Yeah, this is great. I'm going to renew my mind, see God do big things in my life, and, and, and it was inspiring, right? But then I was like, okay, so let's talk about what a renewed mind looks like in action. And they're like, what? I said, oh, yeah, oh, here's what's great. Let's go to Romans 12. Right after this, Paul says, Romans 12, verse 9 and, and 10, he goes, hey, let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil, cling to what is good. I was like, sounds good. Then verse 10, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Man, I just want to outdo I want to compete, but not in showing honor, right? That sounds good, but that ain't fun. Look at the script. Do not lack diligence. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent. Be patient in affliction? Man, when I'm afflicted, I want the person doing afflicting to know this ain't going to last long. <laughs> no, I'm having fun with it, but this is the difference in terms of being a believer. As a Christian, like... The currency of our kingdom, we're ambassadors of the heaven, of, king, of the king. He functions differently, and our job is to function like that. I cannot do that if my mind doesn't get renewed. I can't. Like, I, I told people before, like, if I hold the door open for somebody, smile, and they walk through and don't say thank you, it takes everything in me. They're not like, hey, I need you to come back. I'm going to close the door, then you can open yourself, right? <laughs> right? It's, it's that part of me has to be renewed. My salvation's covered. Jesus took care of that. But it's getting my mind to line up. And the thing is, okay, I'd be better if somebody didn't say, I mean, thank you or not. No, that wasn't even my intent. God would get me to so much a place where I'm just serving and loving on people regardless of what they do back because that's biblical love. Biblical love is not about reciprocity. Biblical love is about sacrificial love. It was the word that says, Jesus, why we were still yet sinners, he died for us. But before there was any indication we were going to come his way, he said, I'm laying my life down. That is exactly what transformation begins to look like for us. Now, Here's what I want us to lock onto. We talk about be transformed, but transformation is like training, right? It's like training, but it's good training. And this is why I want you to understand, there's good training in this. This isn't the kind of like pain and just pain, like, like uh, where there is no gain. No, there's a lot of gain in this. So turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter four. And I'm gonna start reading in verse six, but I'm gonna go six through eight. Okay, I'm going to read six through eight. And this is the part of the scriptures that I get, I'm so grateful for, because this is why I love, uh, um, I, love uh, I love Paul so much, right, um, uh, for this, because he does such a good job of it. But this is practical now, my brothers and sisters. This is really practical. So verse six reads this. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, this is one verse, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests made known to God. Your version says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So uh, here's my question. When the scripture says, do not be anxious, which is another word for worry, do not worry about anything. So um, when I say the word anything, what does that include? Thank you. He says, do not be anxious, do not worry about anything. I got to tell you, I didn't realize how much and how heavy and how powerful that is. Do not worry about anything. I want to keep it real, y'all. A baby right here found out my youngest daughter, Madison, year and a half ago, cancer, Hoskins lymphoma, all these kind of, don't worry about anything. Man, come on, Lord, you, could, you, you, you mean anything in relative stuff, not anything. Anything. You mean when our family finances are in trouble? Anything. When our church goes through some difficulty? Anything. When my job is accurate? Anything. When the, uh, my, my brother or my sister or 
anything. The Bible says, don't be anxious. Don't worry about anything. What really shocked me is I was like, Lord, that just doesn't make any sense. Of course I'm anxious. Of course I'm worried. And then I realized, again, the currency of the kingdom is our faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. What is anxiousness? What is worry? The exact opposite. The Bible says, God says, without faith it is impossible to please God. And I didn't realize I've been walking around displeasing God like crazy, justifying it. You know what's even worse? If I have believers who come to me and tell me not to worry, I get angry with them. Like, they don't understand my circumstances, how arrogant of them. Let me go find some people who are worrying and make me feel better because we get together and we make worrying normal. And then we go sing a bunch of worship songs and look at scripture and act like that don't apply. If we don't get this serious with it, see, we got to realize we find an enemy, the devil, who's shrewd. He was like, man, I'm not worried about your circumstances. The devil's like, I just care about your mindset around the circumstances. Because for somebody, it could just be, I can just mess with your money, and I got you. For somebody else, I got to mess with your child, and I got you. For somebody else, I got to mess with them. It doesn't matter. It's not the circumstance that happens to us. It's how we look at those circumstances that happen to us. So when the Lord says, don't worry about anything, don't worry about anything. Now, here's the thing. If he just said that and nothing else, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know about the rest of you. Like, well, if I'm not worrying, what do I do instead? <laughs> right? I don't want to live in la-la land. But I started to realize sometimes, I hope this resonates for sometimes. Sometimes worry is less about what you're going through. And sometimes it's just a habit. You just, worry is just what you do. So if you don't look at it like that, because here's the good indicator of how you worry. Whatever you were worrying about six months ago, you can't even remember. But you were still anxious. And now you're anxious now. And it's just a new thing you're anxious about. So is really what you're dealing with the problem or the behavior or the habit of worrying, which shouldn't be part of our kingdom work, shouldn't be part of how we walk. Now watch this, and this transformation is powerful. Paul keeps it real. He says, do not worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, let your request be made known good God. He does begin with thanksgiving. That means when we go to the Lord, we say thank you. When I don't worry, but I go to the Lord with my specific request, I'm also thankful. Why? Because thankfulness reminds me of what he's already done. The primary tool that the enemy uses to stop our transformation is amnesia. He loves to cause us to forget what God's already done in our life. That's why I try to have to be reminded. I have to journal. I have to capture. I have to write gratitude down. I have, there's a reason why God had the Israelites put memorial stones down to be reminded of what God did for you in this place. Why? Because our confidence goes up when we're reminded of what he's done. You don't go into a situation with your child who's sick or a difficult situation, whatever you go, as if with no memory of what God's already done for you? Even the worst football team in the world still watches highlight films before the next game. We might not have won the game, but there were a few plays in the past game that we can use for this future game that gives us a little confidence. We get to do that every day if we choose to. But instead, we get conformed by the world. First thing we do is turn on the news. First thing we do is turn on uh, social media. First thing we do is turn on that. Wasn't referring to you, beautiful. <laughs> okay. But the first thing we do is turn on all these different things that are crazy, and then it blinds us from what God has already done in our lives. So if you just do that without praying, without being thankful, without being grateful, then you're praying to God, not with confidence, you just let them know what's going on and then you take the burden of that with you. The Bible says, cast your cares and burdens upon the Lord for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I, I, when I, you can tell, I love this book. Because this, I mean, 
it's a win book, it's a journey. We, this is unfair. This playbook tells us how to win. It is unfair. We're playing with house money. We know how the story ends. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but I am trying to emphasize where the gaps are with our own actions, right? There's some things we can't control, but there's a lot of wasted motion that the penalty's on us. Even if it's football, I say this often, but just a couple minutes, even when it's football, I say this often. I was like, I can handle losing a game. I just can't handle losing because we jumped off sides every time. We had a bunch of false starts. We had all these self-induced losing principles. That's how some of us as believers are living. We are causing all these problems against ourselves because the book says it right here. Now watch this. Look at verse number seven. This is the one I really want to lock onto. We get to eight at another time when you invite me back. So verse number seven. And verse number seven says this, and the peace of God. Everybody hear me. Say peace of God. Say it one more time. Peace of God. Because I will tell you, all of us, more than anything, that's what you want. I would, you want that even before the problem is solved. That's what you want. You want the peace of God. It's not because you know why? Because the very, ooh, because this is how I know for myself, but I also know for you. Because the very thing that's creating you anxiety right now and worry right now, if that got solved today, problem solved, I give you two days before there's another thing in its place. And that's the truth. So what we're not after is just this one issue solved. If I get my money problems right, I'd be okay. Now your money problems solved. Now you discover you got other issues. So it's not about the issue. Can I have the peace of God? And look what it says, which surpasses all understanding. What that simply means is we can have a peace of God that makes absolutely no sense. I'm talking about we have a peace of God even though the solution hasn't showed up yet. We have a peace of God. We can worship God. We can enjoy. We can fellowship. We can laugh. We can smile. Even though the thing we're praying for has not changed yet. That is what the world is yearning for. That's what the world wants to see. Why are you smiling? Why are you not fretting? Why are you not in fear? It, it always cracks me up when I watch believers try to have a huge influence on the world, but they're trying to use the same world's devices to do it. There's no difference. You're just putting a different title on it, but what they really look for is what's different? What's at the deeper level? What's so powerful about the peace of God? And what's so powerful about prayer and aligning with what it says right here. Because the scripture also says, because this will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We're now no longer, and there's a quote by, uh, I think it might have been, I don't know if it was George Benaishah, one of the ones, but he said it simply this way, it was so good. He says, for the thousands hacking at the branches of evil, there's one striking at the root. See, as believers we become really good root strikers. All that other stuff is circumstance. All that, everybody else is working hacking in that branches. But we get to go to the source. We get to go, Jesus, this is what I'm asking you to do for me. Jesus, with thanksgiving, this is what I'm requesting. Holy Spirit, God Almighty, I got all of heaven working on my behalf. So while heaven's doing what heaven does, I can now function with peace, loving on others, encouraging others, working on what God called me to do, but I'm doing it with a level of calmness, with a level of anticipation, expectation. That is completely my expectations when God's timing, but in the meantime, Lord, show us how we are to function while you're working on that. Do you see how in that's what he died for? He says, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. That's life. Everything else is just stuff. So, here's how I want you to close. Here's how I want, I'm going to close with you. Here's your training assignment for the next week. Okay? Actually, I want you to start your day like this. I want you to conclude your day like this. And that is literally verse 8. 
Paul gave us the training. That's how you do it. Finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. That means the minute you get serious about thinking on good things, things worthy of praise, all of a sudden, they start becoming more obvious to you. It's amazing how that works. I can be the middle of a mess. And in the middle of that mess, all of a sudden, I begin to see God's hand in it. I begin to see how this person over here did this, how this person sat over here. There's a young lady that I know right now, and she was just fretting about not having, uh, 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 it was a, a business client of mine's daughter. And I never forget, she was having these struggles because she went into a new school, new place. She felt like she didn't have any friends. She was like, I don't have any friends. And it was interesting because me and her father had this conversation. He turns around and he says this one line. He goes, I asked her. I said, didn't, what you call it, walk home with you? She's like, yeah. I said, didn't so-and-so over there in that one class help you? She was like, oh, 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 yeah. And then he realized, he goes, no, you got friends around you. But you're spending so much time thinking about what you don't have that you don't realize how much you do have. And when you start seeing what you do have, God expands it even more. So you don't have to pursue more. Just appreciate what you have more, the value of what you have. And it starts to go up, and all of a sudden, you start seeing things in ways you didn't see it before. What's happening? Your mind's being renewed. So I, it's not that, uh, he said this way, it was so good. He goes, the reason you now feel better is because you now see better. And what the Bible keeps helping us do is to better see what it is that he's already doing in our lives. Does this make some sense? I pray this whole message on being transformed, I pray this is practical and I pray you heard it with the levels. I'm not going to call it simple. No, let me change that. It is simple. I'm not saying it's easy because this is work. Thinking on things is work. It's nice when the things around you are just naturally good and they help facilitate it. But sometimes we got to be good finders. Like that means we're in the midst of stuff and we got to search for the good. Like that's work. But it's worthy work because God calls us to do that very thing. Here's what I do at this moment. All this stuff I just got through talking about sounds great. But the reason we have access to it and the reason that we can live this way. It's because we don't have to do it on our own. The Holy Spirit actually equips us. We're empowered by the King. Jesus is not only open the door, but he says it happens through. He does it through us. In our weakness, he is made strong. But for those who may be here today, who've never said yes to Jesus, who hasn't said, Lord, I would love what Eric just got through talking about. Now, it's interesting. I know my yeah buts before saying yes to Jesus was I was thinking about all the things that need to change beforehand. And it's actually the complete opposite. It's like he is the one. He comes right where you're at. No matter where you're at, right where you're at. And he goes, I love you. What, one of the things we get a chance to experience is what it's been like to be loved unconditionally. Because most of us in the world, that's not how we're loved. But that is how he loves. So if there's anyone here who have never said yes to Jesus, today's a great day to do it. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to ask everybody to put their heads down and close their eyes. I'm not doing anything, but I'm also, I'm just telling you, all you got to do is say, Lord, yes, I receive you today. You're the reason. You're the reason. My sins are forgiven, and all I got to do is believe it. Let's not overcomplicate this, but I will tell you, it's one of the most powerful decisions you'll ever make. What seems so insignificant is the most significant thing you ever do. So with that being said, I believe somebody today said yes to him. And all I'm going to ask you is you confirm that with you, you connect with somebody here in this church, 
And you just continue on that journey from small groups to having a friend to having somebody side. But you are not alone. Jesus works through us to others. Jesus works through others to us. And that's what makes it so powerful. Now, one other thing I want us to just take a minute to pray for is there's some of us in the room, today's a good day to push the reset button. Lord, I needed this today to go ahead and reset for myself in this area or this area. I've been anxious. I've, there's no return from anxiety. Like when I say no return, I'm talking about like return on interest, like return on capital. Like there's no gain from anxiety. There is a lot of benefits that come from peace. So Lord God, I'm going to give you my anxiety. I'm going to give you my worry. I'm going to give you my burden today. And what I take back, Lord God, is your peace. And so my only request of you today, those who are already believers, whatever it is that you are, he says, do not worry about anything. So whatever fits into anything for you, I'm asking you, turn that, pray to him, give it to the Lord, okay? If you don't mind bowing with me, I'm gonna pray. Then we're gonna get ready for communion. The other Father, Lord God, we just thank you so much We thank you, Lord God, that your mercies endure forever, that every day we wake up, they're renewed. So, Lord God, I even want to encourage the person today who didn't even decide today. The good news is, Lord, I pray that you keep them until tomorrow. And when they wake up tomorrow, remind them again, my mercies are renewed every single day. Father, continue to remind us that we are functioning from love. We are not functioning for love that you love us so much, we get to flow from that. We don't have to pretend, we don't have to act, we don't have to act like we got all of our stuff together. Lord, you take us as we are. Because you do, can you teach us how to do that with one another? Teach us how to share our burdens, how to share our successes, how to share our fears, turn those over to you, but then Lord, turn around and share our confidences as well. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you. Father, we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This teaching was recorded as part of our current sermon series at Icon Church. During our weekly gatherings, we move from the teaching to a time of response. While we recognize it may be hard to capture that as you listen online, we encourage you to take a moment to reflect on and respond to what the Spirit might be telling you in response to what you've heard. For more resources and to find out how you can join with us on Gathering on Sundays, visit iconchurch.org. And as we say each week, Christ is all and we are His.